let's get this show on the road. Who wants to introduce it? Well, it's my guest next week, so I figured I was doing that one. And unless Eddie Mays had a sudden change of heart. Nope. Right, it's nope. me. <laughs> <clears throat> one day, we will get it. One day, not today. Okay. <clears throat> what are you doing? A mouth warm up? <laughs> just sucking all the dry crumbs of bourbon biscuit out of my mouth so I didn't cough while I was trying to record. Welcome to the Undercut Podcast. Uh, we are back for our preview of the British Grand Prix. Joining me as ever are Timo Albus Daly and Ellie Mae Taylor. How are you both? Perfectly dandy, thank you. Tired, but good, thank you. Tired, but good. I say tired because you've been at Goodwood over the weekend, haven't you, Ellie? And it is exhausting. Having I did it on the Thursday, covering it for work, and God, it's knackering. Yeah, we well, we got up at half four in the morning to drive over from Somerset over to Goodwood and then what spent almost sort of 12 hours there. I think we then ended up getting to our accommodation about half nine. So, yeah, it's very yeah. tiring. It, it can be a long old day. I did. I don't know how many how many steps did you do while you were there? Because I cracked 23,000. Oh, mine was like 15,000. Uh, so I went. smaller feet. <laughs> yeah, I take longer steps. <laughs> I went up and down to the rally course at the top end as well several times. So that would have been it. I Anyhow. Like, yeah. I did have like half an hour sat in a beanbag chair as well, just chilling. That Not many be. steps there. Anyway, let's talk about Goodwood, more talk about the British Grand Prix. It is again race week and this weekend we are headed to Silverstone for the British Grand Prix. I've said British Grand Prix too many times in that sentence, we'll shuffle on. But before that, we have our news to get through. So we'll have a look back and see what's happened in the world of Formula One with our section, What the Hell Has Happened? And we'll kick off with a really easy topic to start with. Uh, Yuri Vips is on suspension after using a racial slur during a live stream. And frankly, if you're going to throw that word around on a live stream, uh, good riddance to you, frankly. So uh, it's quite an easy topic to cover. Job done. Uh, the trickier part to that, though, is who's going to fill in his seat while he's not there? And Timo is frantically waving his hand in the air on the Zoom call. I'll let him fill you in. Two words, rearrange, and see if you can tell who I mean. Chadwick, Jamie. Uh, it's a good option, yeah. I mean, if it anyone... Sense, it's a no-brainer. She's already there for W Series this weekend, and they only have about two hours of combined seat time in the car anyway, with practice qualifying and the race. So you might as well stick her in the F2 car and just see how she does. I mean, what's the worst that's going to happen? you could have someone like Alessio Deleda come in and you'd guaranteed no points anyway. So you might as well stick Jamie Chadwick in there and see what happens. And you'd love that at Silverstone, home race, home crowd, at the very least to be a people pleaser. And at most, you've just smashed open some doors that should have been smashed open a long time ago. Job done. Bosh. 
Yeah, Vips races for high tech, doesn't he? Yes, I want to say. I think or Carlin. I should really know this. Yeah, we'll correct you, mate. You're an expert. Thanks. Hi, editor Jesse here. Um, yeah, Yuri Vips does or potentially doesn't anymore race for high tech in F2. Uh, did a quick check on that. Uh, there's been no update from them as to whether or not he's still got a seat with them in F2. But when it comes to Formula One, at least, he uh, no longer has a contract with Red Bull Racing. And I mean, rightly so. Don't be racist, my guy. Just don't. I'll correct ourselves in the edit if needs be, but I think it's either high tech or Carlin. And obviously, they can still get points from whoever they bring in to replace him for their championship, the constructors team side of it. So it's worthwhile them bringing in a talented driver. Hence the reason why Jamie Chadwick is such the logical choice here. Or I mean, hell, anyone from W Series would be a win, but Chadwick has proven herself the most to be worthy of an F2 seat. So I'm she... kind of surprised we don't know about it already, considering it's Monday when we're talking about it. It's on the up by Friday, and it would be weird for them to not replace him. I mean, they didn't with Ralph Washington when he was ill, but I can kind of understand that if there was sponsorship in the way and he was just injured, but this is a slightly different circumstance. And you'd think that, again, you want to maximise the points you get as a team because, okay, he wasn't himself having a great season up to now, and this is not helping him do any better. Um, But you still have the other driver in the team and you want to maximize the amount of points that you're going to getting so why not stick another drive it, it's announced chadwick already that's that's all i'm gonna say yeah. it'd be nice to see it happen whether it will happen depends there's a few drivers that have finished f2 that are tied up for another four days before we get crushed again yeah so i mean this this could all go horribly wrong and they do pull back a letter or something i don't know but the fact of the matter is it ought to be chadwick she's proved herself and this is the opportunity that we've, we've been waiting for this season so fingers- the only way i'd be kind of all right with it is if they brought up a red three for the weekend but even i mean f3 is also there so much this weekend and then replaced whoever that was with chadwick and she gets into f3 instead it's the only compromise i'll make yeah, I'll make that compromise if they shuffle up an F3 and move Chadwick to F3 for that seat. But uh, sort of how they did it when they moved Russell up to Mercedes and then moved uh, Aiken mm. Williams, that sort of do a double move as opposed yeah. to just pulling one guy. We'll see what happens, but it's promising stuff for Jamie Chadwick and fingers crossed for it. I think, they've, I think W Series also has a series of spreads in, I want to say it's Hello Magazine coming out this week. Yes, they do. Which so Jesse is an avid subscriber to, so he knows these things inside and out. Love me that celebrity gossip. But yeah, if you if you are looking to read some more about W Series or want to learn about it, there's probably going to be a very nice sort of open to all comers article in Hello Magazine. So probably worth reading if you want to learn a bit more about W Series and get a bit of an inside scoop. Um, moving on to another, not necessarily inside scoop, but certainly a news scoop. Uh, Pierre Gasly confirmed for Alpha Tauri for 2023. Kind of ruins all of my plans for next year for all of the, all these hair brain predictions and charts and drawings I've been making for the past few weeks and months. It's all gone out the window kind of now in a lot of ways because of Gasly, which is not his fault, I guess, but, you know, just frustrating. Good for him, though, I guess. Kind of. Is it? Is it good for him? I think it's frustrating for him because he's still stuck at AlphaTauri. He's not going to move up to Red Bull. He's now not going to get any better of a car next year and I was listening to an interesting point 
that they had on the Goodwood radio that is the reason that he's stuck because he's not a pay driver. No, the team wants him because he's not financially viable. He doesn't bring enough financially to sort of make up for potential shortcomings on track. I don't know. But is that also ham-fisted by the fact that because no one's giving him a chance, no sponsors would approach him so that he could get into that position and he's kind of stuck in a catch-22 scenario? Yeah, he's sort of... Because stuck. aside, because again, he was, he was in Red Bull, he came back and he's been there for what seems like donkey's years now and we all know he's good and we would love to see what it'd be like without the pressure of having Max as a teammate there because it would just be very interesting. But it's this whole thing of is is because we as fans know that he's like I say a good driver, but is everyone else thinking that he's, for lack of a better phrase, past his sell by date and they don't want to touch him in favour of other drivers that are already more financially viable, maybe like you say, or just younger and more up and coming and therefore have more momentum behind them. Whereas Gasly, if he doesn't get something in the next year or two. It doesn't look good for him, which is through the report as well, it's just the cruel nature of F1 at times. And if even if you look down at F2, F2 is now so expensive that they potentially have more money backing them than Pierre Gasly does sort of backing him. And yeah, because if you take away the sponsors that AlphaTauri bring with them to Gasly whilst he's there, it would be interesting to see how much is left after that that you then bring in. So... Yeah, it's it's not gr- it's great to be Pierre Gasly, but also not great at the same time, and it's kind of that awkward no man's land. It feels like it's yeah. I'm in two schools of thought. It's the job security; he's got a seat for another year, another year to prove himself. And equally, we say he's sort of past his sell by date. He is, bear in mind, about the same age as Antonio Giovinazzi, who's pretty much already been shuffled out the door of Formula One, and a little too soon because he just got stuck in what was seen as the junior team to one of the big names, and. I think Gasly is almost lucky in that regard. You've also got to remember he's been in that Alpha Tauri seat since halfway through 2019, which is actually a seems like a long time ago. I think just because of the vast it is a long time ago in Formula One terms, it's a hell of a long time ago, and just in general terms, it's quite a long time ago. It's coming up on three years this this time we get to Spa, it'll be three years since that swap. Kind of almost unheard of that you have a driver in Alpha Tauri for what will be four years. Yeah. You have to think people have come in after him, like George Russell, and they've been promoted up to Mercedes, and he's still. Stuck. And we thought that took too long the first time, considering we thought he should have been there perhaps in well last year, maybe even. Yeah, it's it's a strange one, and I think we'll get on to the sort of second point that bolsters this is the fact that it is the question of where will he move to. Al- um, obviously Alpine's full and the only other gap everyone keeps sort of touting him for is McLaren but they're obviously signed long term with Norris and as we'll move into in a second Ricciardo seems safe at McLaren for a bit Zach Brown says their relationship has never been better so potentially yeah, it's, it's the kind of thing of McLaren seem to be doing the not the opposite to having a Red Bull Junior programme but kind of they've got teams across various different motorsport series and they're looking at those if they want to swap anyone out. For example, Philly Cronenquist got re-signed for McLaren, but it's not clear if he's going to be driving the IndyCar or the Formula E team. And it's that kind of 
family atmosphere, but we can switch you between different motorsport series at will instead of looking outside of the program. So if we want to stick that to and replace Daniel, Daniel could go to IndyCar at some point, and that's what we do better. We wouldn't look at someone like Gasly or someone else. So again, it focuses Gasly that way, <laughs> which again, yeah. through no fault of his own, because you were saying earlier he's got to prove himself or another year to prove himself, but he already has proven himself. It's just the pressure got to him at Red Bull, but show us a driver outside of the three really of Vettel, Verstappen and Perez, but even Perez is kind of on the bubble a little bit on that one, that it hasn't got to before. So what do you have to do to prove yourself? Hmm. And again, there's been cases where he has proven himself. And again, we had a big tiff about it last week when we were saying um, over science at Monza 2020 and how Gasly defended quite well on a sort of adverse... In an Alpha Tower. In an Alpha Tower. Well, that leads on to the other thing is, should we be looking at AlphaTauri as a junior team to Red Bull, or as they keep insisting, should we start viewing them as an independent constructor that just so happens to have a Red Bull powertrain's engine? Or AlphaTauri... It's a thing of both, really, because it is the junior team to Red Bull, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's worse. No. It's that weird balance that is kind of hard to strike because they're already better than a lot of the other teams on the grid and they're certainly a midfield team. But again, you could, if you for use Mercedes as an example, where just because you're a top team doesn't mean that you're guaranteed to get everything right. And that could have easily happened to Red Bull this year instead of Mercedes. And then what, you have Alpha Tauri as the, the big team, main team then, or, or what? You know, it's like, oh, you've got a promotion now to Red Bull, but you don't want one. That'd be kind of the luck the Gasly would get. Yeah, and also, is Alpha Tauri a good car? It and it's not a midfield team. It just happens to have midfield drivers. Is that? It depends how many different ways you look at it, and potentially that's a bit of a strong call. I love Gasly and I love Sonoda. They're both fantastic drivers that show some brilliant moments of racecraft, but potentially they don't have the right source to unlock what's in the Alpha Tauri. Whereas if you were to drop Perez or Verstappen into it you'd see far better performances and it begs but that's that. the other thing is do you measure everyone by the likes of Lewis and Max because of how good they are or do you need to wait for them to shuffle off to then see that oh okay they are actually pretty good drivers it's just you've got a couple of people here who are in their in their own league yeah it's it's one of those truly annoying things that you need to have them all drive in the same car in the same conditions to find out truly what the pecking order is. We stick them all in the W Series cars this weekend. We stick all the W Series drivers in the F1 cars. Magical on, problem solved. bit harsh on the W Series driver that gets plumped with the Mercedes, the uh, Alfstead Martin or the Williams. They get an F1 car, they won't complain. It'll be a good experience. Everyone's happy. True. I was thinking we make the Indy 500 a compulsory uh, Formula 1 race again. If we want another race in America, make it the Indy 500 and the F1 drivers have to go over and compete there. In F1 cars against the Indy 500 cars. Yeah, the same as they used to do through the 50s and 60s where you just sort of rocked up with your F1 car and went, I've got this. And they go, keeping it old school. No, no modern nonsense. Yeah. But anyway, that's all getting a bit besides the point. We'll move on to something which we have already mentioned. Ricciardo is apparently now safe at McLaren and Zach Brown says their relationship has never been better. We've sort of touched on it quite heavily through our Pierre Gasly point. Do we have any further points we want to add that are a bit more McLaren-centric? I think Eddie May's happy if he's safe. Yeah, 
I am happy that he's if he is safe but I also think in the world of Formula One people are very quick to judge you if you have a couple of bad performances I know Ricardo had a bad season last year but this is kind of a new we're going on to the new regulations this year and you know you have a couple of bad races and people are just quick to jump on that bandwagon of oh you should leave and then now he isn't doing too bad I still think it's too early to be like oh he should leave you definitely need to keep that momentum up until at least the mid-season to keep those people from saying that he needs to leave. But it's also the thing of without being too much like Helmut Marko in terms of you will use a Game of Thrones approach to your drivers. It is the whole thing of when you have drivers like Fado who have been around for a while and you have a lot of exciting new drivers coming along and not all of them get seats like Schwarzman, like Eilat, like Aiken. It is frustrating then to see that the drivers that especially when they've won Grand Prix like Ricardo has and have been up there, when they're not performing as well as they should for whatever reason, be it their fault, the car or both or whatever, it's still frustrating them from a fan perspective that because you want to get the most out of them, but you don't, you, you want them to stay as long as they can deliver. But when they don't deliver, you're annoyed that the new people can't go anywhere because it's this whole battle thing of, yeah, okay, you've got four world championships, but what have you done since then? It's that kind of thing. That how much time does that buy you in the sport before it's based on you're only as good as your last race? Hmm. And the thing is, Ricciardo is on 15 points at the moment, which sits him 13th in the championship. Ahead of him, Norris on 50 points, 7th in the championship. There's a bit of a gulf beginning to form between them on the championship rankings. And I don't want to write him off too early on into the season. He could still go on and pull out an absolute blinder. He did it last season in Monza. There's nothing to say that he won't do it again this year. He could have a couple of absolutely brilliant races where he comes home with decent points weekend after weekend after weekend. But Norris has already got the jump on him and your closest rival in Formula One is your teammate, regardless of like when you say, oh, it's Max Verstappen versus Charles Leclerc. No, it's the guy that's in the equal machinery to you. And at the moment, Norris is a bit like last year. Handing him his and own. if we want Ricardo to do well, we therefore want Norris to do bad, which doesn't feel right either. <laughs> no, because we want Norris to do well, partly on the grounds of British driver, British bias, but mm-hmm. also Norris genuinely deserves to do well. He has a fantastic talent and has been able to really pull some blinding performances out of that McLaren over the past God knows how many seasons. Since he joined the sport in 2019, he has been on form. He's had the fortune of joining a pretty top team, but even then, He's proven that he can properly drive. And he's come up against what a lot of people, especially through the mid-noughties, were touting as a cracker of a driver. And he's absolutely decimated them. And it says that Ricardo needs to... He's finding his form again at this at McLaren, but he needs to hurry up and find a lot more of it. Because at the moment, when you've got a gulf of nearly three times your points to the next, to your teammate, it's not a good look. But we do love Ricardo. But we do love Ricardo, and we don't want that to put him off making his new TV show, which we don't know a huge amount of details about, but apparently he's like a script advisor on. I'm hoping for an F1 Crocodile Dundee crossover. That's not a pit stop. 
this is a pit stop. I was trying to think of something funnier, but it didn't come out. Anyway, it it. <laughs> it, we'll move on from that absolute failure of a joke to um, Aston Martin, which is a, a joke and a failure, really. Uh, Mick Schumacher, though, looking to replace Sebastian Vettel at the team. If you're latest speculation saying that, which it's, I mean, like I just said, it's how much time in the sport does being a four-time F1 world champion buy you when you're not delivering? And granted, okay, the car is not great, it's an understatement, but still, you'd think, you, I, I always like to use the example of Alonso at McLaren when you ret- before he retired the first time, of, it was an absolute trash pile of a car, but he managed to drag the absolute maximum out of it. And with Vettel, we're seeing that a little bit, but not as much as we feel like we should be. But again, does that warrant him being replaced? Or is it just a matter of he'll leave before he's pushed because he doesn't want to just be there to make up the numbers? But at the same time, if you look at the two drivers in that team and who should be replaced, really, it's it's something that rhymes with Stroll, but, oh, it's Stroll. And, okay, yeah, I do quite like the idea of Mick and Vettel being teammates in an all-British team. There's something weirdly satisfying about that. And mirrors Mercedes and it's a German team with all British drivers. I mean, a British team with all German drivers is quite nice about that. But it kind of feels like, okay, Mick should go there and we bring in Drogovic and just have a completely new driver out. But as long as Lawrence is in charge of that team, it doesn't look like Junior is going anywhere, regardless of how well or badly he does which is, again, frustrating. Why would Mick go to Aston Martin, though, if he's a Ferrari Academy driver? I mean, do Ferrari have that hold on him that they can say no? Well, Gunter might just decide no for him. (laughs) You know what he's like. And Ferrari might just be like, okay, yeah, fine, we'll we'll loan him to Aston Martin because we're not going to replace Carlos or Charles anytime soon. And you can't really put him out for Romeo because both drivers are doing pretty darn well there. So it might be a case of we're not happy about it, but... Eh. Unless they use him as a spy because it's a Mercedes-fired engine so he can try and sort of see what, what the Mercedes are doing and then he can sort of secretly feed it back to Ferrari. Not that they're probably... Promoting corporate espionage there, ladies and gentlemen. I don't think Spygate version 2.0 is going to happen. I don't think this time it's. I don't think it's going to be Ferrari looking for McLaren details like that. I I can't see. Especially from Aston Martin. Yeah, we've got an advantage, have you? Have yeah, you we, we know how the Mercedes engine works. What the one that's significantly <laughs> slower than most other ones on the grid? Yes, that one. Right. What we've the engine that is the least of your problems, Aston Martin. Yeah. But anyway, we'll move on from promoting uh, corporate espionage to uh, previously at the British Grand Prix. And this is the bit where I get to go sort of all historical with some fun facts. So when did we last go to Silverstone? 2021, last year. And how did that pan out? Um, not very well if you're Max Verstappen. A tight qualifying and tight sprint saw Lewis and Max locking out the front row uh, in different positions on different days. And then there was the opening lap of the Grand Prix. And as a bit of a Max Verstappen fan, I'm not prepared to talk about that um, because it just hurts seeing that many points in the championship disappear. Uh, Timo is making a motion at me that suggests crybaby. Um, all right, Mercedes fan. 
just waving at me now. So we'll move on from starting yet another argument on the podcast to who the track favours historically. This is where Timo can perk his hopes up a bit. Uh, we'll work from 2010 to present as the track did actually change after the uh, layout after 2009, swapping from the bridge layout to the present day Grand Prix circuit. In those 12 races, Mark Webber won twice with Red Bull, Alonso and Vettel with Ferrari, and the rest, uh, bar one, have been Lewis Hamilton with Mercedes. That other time was uh, Nico Rosberg in 2013, also with Mercedes. So Silver Arrows 8, everyone else 4 over the past 10 times we've raced at Silverstone for the British Grand Prix. I haven't included a, that statistic, the 70th anniversary one, which was also a Lewis Hamilton win. Did you say eight four of the last ten? Uh, four of the last ten Grand Prix, British Grand Prix, this is, have been won by a team that wasn't Mercedes. And you said the other eight were. <laughs> Out of the last twelve, sorry, I misread my notes. I got twenty ten and the number twelve confused. <laughs> But anyway, the fact is, out of the previous uh, 12 British Grand Prix, uh, Mercedes 8, everyone else 4. So uh, it's a bit of a Mercedes sort of uh, power circuit. They know exactly what they're doing. And over the years, Lewis has won at Silverstone 8 times, uh, in contrast from my data of the other drivers who've won at Silverstone and are still racing. Uh, Alonso and Vettel are the only other drivers that rank on that list. And between them, they have four wins, two apiece. Uh, no other driver has won their home Grand Prix by such a margin. The closest I can get is Alain Prost, who won the French Grand Prix six times during his career. So no other driver has won their home Grand Prix as much as Lewis. And Amateurs, a lot of them. Very much so, Timo, very much so. So drivers-wise and team-wise, it's Mercedes and Lewis track. Although generalising, it's a British driver in a Mercedes car, which does open a statistical loophole for George Russell. Um, either way, Timo's happy. It's a Mercedes win and potentially a win for George Russell, which I'd be happy to see. He's sort of shrugging quite happily at that. Uh, Weather-wise, what can we expect? Uh, the weather forecast, not powered by Amazon AWS. Um, possibly a wet Friday. Uh, Saturday and Sunday, though, are looking dry. Sunday, a little overcast, not quite as sunny as the Saturday, which is good news for me. I'm there on the Saturday. I can enjoy glorious British weather and some fine qualifying, plus all the feeder series as well. And which on-track battles should we look out for? Well, as the season's been developing, it does look to be a Ferrari versus Red Bull fight. Uh, it isn't such a flat-out circuit that the Red Bull's outright pace will see them storm off from the Ferraris. There's still a few technical sections at the beginning and end of the lap that might just keep the Ferraris close. If they can get the back end of their car nailed down, uh, they might even have an edge. Uh, watch out again for Alpine and Alfa Romeo, who have also showing turns of speed and competitiveness through the season, especially on the faster circuits. So it depends on which of them can get the right setup for the weekend, which leads us nicely into our predictions. Ladies and gentlemen, time for your predictions, please. Well, it only seems fairly logical to go for Charles Leclerc for pole position. I mean... It's the unfortunate thing of just because he gets pole position doesn't mean he'll win it. it, means someone else will probably win. But that fits in with my other predictions, so I don't feel too bad about that. I've actually agreed with Chimo for once. In, in, insert some like dramatic music there, because <laughs> I feel like that needs to have the appropriate gravitas. 
yeah, I think Leclerc, he's because well, he's got that new newish power unit in his car as well. So that might give him a bit more of an edge over, well, definitely over sort of Carlos signs. And I think perhaps Red Bull as well. See, I've also gone for Charles Leclerc pole, which I think is the first time in the history of us predicting things we've all picked the the same as far as I'm aware. I'll check back and again, you'll probably hear my voice in the edit say otherwise. But yeah, Charles Leclerc pole position. I can see him getting the most out of the Ferrari and he's on a good form for pole positions and qualifying. So we'll see what he can do. Hi, uh, me again. Apparently, if I uh, if my if my notes are correct, the last time all three of us agreed on something was our pole prediction for Miami, uh, where we all predicted Sergio Perez would get pole. Um, we didn't score any points with it, but the fact is, we were all the, all all predicting the same thing. So, yeah, they are first time in a long time, but uh, not the first time ever. I'm afraid. However, when it comes to the podium, we've all been very different. I've gone all patriotic because if I can't do it for the British Grand Prix then when the sodding hell can I so like we were saying earlier Mercedes track Mercedes driver and let's just have an all British podium it would be really nice let me dream for a few days at least before I get crushed again as is inevitable on this podcast by my predictions so we'd have Hamilton in first Russell in second and good old Lando Norris in third and the only reason I'm putting Norris in third is because Russell deserves a second place and not a third for a change. He needs that next step up on the podium. So Norris can Norris getting third in his home Grand Prix. He should be pretty happy with that, I think. Russell's had a second place before. He got it in a Williams in Spa <laughs> last year. Yes, but in a proper race, ah, which he'll right. argue with me about if he ever hears this. But I'll take that argument at the time. That'll yep. be a future Timo's problem. I don't know. Podium's a podium, but I don't think it was a proper race. I think I'll, that's the way I'll split it. Podium in a Mercedes. Second okay. place in a Mercedes. There we are. Ellie, yeah. your podium. I've gone for Leclerc win because he should have won it last year, right and up till what? The last or the penultimate lap? He has penultimate lap, Hamilton, yeah. And that just crushed my soul a little bit. <laughs> So he's he's winning. For regular listeners to podcast, there's a lot of things that hurt Eddie Mace all of it. I'm a sensitive woman, what can I say? <laughs> um, second signs, third, Verstappen. So Ferrari are gonna finally sort out their strategy and their reliability. And we're gonna have a Ferrari one too. See, I don't think Ferrari are going to sort out their strategy. The reliability might be on their side, but the strategy won't be. So obviously I've predicted a Charles Leclerc pole, but uh, the Ferrari that I've got sat on the podium is not Charles Leclerc. Um, my podium goes Russell, Sainz, Hamilton, first, second, third. Uh, Russell, I reckon, is going to have an absolute stormer of a weekend. I can see potentially Red Bull having issues for whatever reason. That means that for the Mercedes are able to get up into the podium places. Ferrari will do a Ferrari with their strategy and uh, as a result Charles Leclerc will tumble down the order Carlos Sainz will do his own pit call which sort of having learned from Sebastian Vettel works sometimes and uh, will find himself in second place with Hamilton probably about 30 seconds behind in third and it'll be close between Russell and Sainz. I have bizarrely gone for Max Verstappen fastest lap which Granted, I could change my world prediction, but I, I think I'll keep it as it is. But if something were to happen to Max, then he would get the fastest lap, fastest lap rather, early on in the race. And then just no one can beat it because they're all too busy fighting each other. 
I've gone for Carlos Sainz. Kind of no reason behind it, just... You're just feeling gangster. The, my psychic abilities told me Carlos Sainz. <laughs> speedy. See, I've gone for Charles Leclerc. I reckon, despite Ferrari bollocking up the strategy, they'll stick him on like softs or something at the end and go, ah, we'll just go for fastest lap because they'll have such a gap to what will essentially be like fifth place or something. They'll have chance to pit and go for the fastest lap on softs. And how crushed will Ellie may be is if they do it two laps from the end, they pit him, make a mistake, and Hamilton gets him again just before the end. <sighs> That would be galling from my perspective. I don't think about how badly Ellie May will feel. He doesn't look too happy about it for those of you listening to this. So the question is, our wild prediction, aside from Ferrari bollocking up their strategy, which isn't actually that wild of a prediction. That, that's just a formality, Jesse. Yeah. And you can't copy mine, so you're going to have to get a different prediction there, as I'm saying both Williams in the points. Don't mind which order, but I prefer... Do a proper one, not that. Um, Albon, preferably with more points than the TV, just because boy deserves them. I'll be mad if that happens because that was my wild prediction last week. Although I would like to see Williams in the points, just do it on the week that I predicted. I'm attempting a new prediction strategy. You take a previous one that didn't happen and see if it happens this time or if I double curse it. I mean, Timo did put in my wild prediction Nigel Mansell is secretly driving for Williams this weekend and replaced Latifi. And as much as I would love that, he was great at Goodwood. He got really emotional on the Sunday on the balcony. But I'm actually going for the Haas get points. Yeah, So, you, but you've both gone for ex-team get points and I'm feeling a bit stupid now with my exception, exceptionally vague prediction of unexpected points, which just seems... Cowardly. Yeah, it does seem a little cowardly, and that's me admitting to it. And what counts as unexpected points? Like if on his license for the team for a driver. Well, unexpected points would be uh, Schumacher, Hulkenberg, or Latifi. They're the only people that have yet to score points, and thus would be unexpected. Unexpected points. You've got to put a name down. So I reckon you go for Hulkenberg. That'd be very unexpected, although Lance Stroll does have a good habit of feeling ill come the British Grand Prix, because he did that in 2020. Mm-hmm. He caught two weeks worth of coronavirus and uh, had to sit out. We had a uh, super sub back where he qualified third or something, didn't he, at one point? Plus, plus it works better for all of us if Latifi gets points, but Hulkenberg still finishes ahead of him, because then Hulkenberg is still ahead of Latifi in the Drivers' Championship, which means that Latifi is still 21st out of 20 drivers. Oh, that would be funny. But I don't want to you say have that. to say Hulk now. No, but I don't want to because then it'll be like a commentator's curse and it won't happen. No, no, that's me. I, I do that. You, you you, two don't curse people. I just oh, I'm not them. imbued with the cursing power? Not yet, no. I mean, I've been trying to give it to someone else, but no one seems to take it. Mm. It's like the Blitz. No one takes it. It's, 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 I've got it trapped for now and I haven't figured out how to get rid of it. Right, then which way do I go with my wild prediction? Um, okay, actually, I'm going to go with what I mentioned earlier. Red Bull. Now for something completely different. Yes, something completely different. Non-points related, Red Bull double DNF. Like it, they haven't... Mm, yeah, it's... it's not for a, a while. It, yeah, not for a while. They've, they've both finished races up until this point. 
Perez didn't finish last race. Wait, what went wrong for Perez? He DNF. Oh, yeah. Um, Not a double DNF. I know something went wrong, but I couldn't. He crashed in quality. He crashed in qualifying, but then he had a hydraulic issue or something in the race. Red Bull turned his car off, yeah. Yeah, that was it. (laughs) Okay, yeah, Red Bull's double DNF. I can see them doing that again to Perez and then Verstappen also falls or they switch the wrong car off and problems abate. So something along those lines, Red Bull double DNF. Which I think is a perfectly crazy prediction to finish on. Anyone have any final points they'd like to chuck out before we wrap up the podcast? I've just realised how long next week's podcast going to be because we've got F1, F2, F3 and W Series to do all in one go and we've done that once already this season. Crikey, that was a long one. Oh boy. Yeah, buckle yourselves up, people. There's going to be a big, like, triple. Have we got a... We don't have to record for um, Austria afterwards, though, do we? Oh, we do as well. We've got to record the Austria preview too. Prepare yourselves <laughs> for four hours of undercut podcast broadcasting excellence. Might I suggest for promotional purposes, we call it the Undercut Podcast, the Snyder Cut. <laughs> There'll be a lot of different edits on that, I think. That would, be, that would be me crying into my laptop by the end and I'm trying to piece together what we decided might be the predictions for the Austrian Grand Prix. I've just also remembered I've not informed next week's guests of how much talking that they're going to have to do. Tough luck to mystery guest for next week, which you'll have to tune back on. And of course, if you are listening to this on YouTube, why aren't you also listening to this on Spotify and Apple Podcasts at the same time, where you've also liked, subscribed, commented, and given us a five-star rating or whatever applies to those streams? Because of course, we are now a proper podcast with proper podcasting outlets where you can go and find this podcast on podcast sites. Uh, Timo, where can the people find you? Here, every week, more or less, because that's, that's part of what we do here. But aside from that, is it fast? Supercar Blondie on the curbs, Paddock's Rarity, Instagram. And yeah, no, that's about it for now. I mean, that's only a few things. I'll try and do, add some more to that at some point, but uh, that should keep everyone busy for now. Yeah, we're not sure where else we could probably find you. We keep trying to convince you to get Twitter, but that's unlikely to happen. Mumsnet? That seems like a bad idea. Yes. Mumsnet, <laughs> have you got a Mumsnet account? Uh, not anymore. Uh, did they kick you off? Yeah, they noticed I wasn't a mum. They're they're clever like that. It's scary. Mothers. Ellie May, of course, can be found on Instagram as well as the podcast Instagram account where she has her takeaways from each race. The Canon. Not just her takeaways, her key takeaways. Very important ones that are not to be missed. Yes. Um, Her ones from Canada, from the Canadian Grand Prix, are set to go on the feed later today, tomorrow sometime. Although that makes no sense. Tomorrow, Toyota, in that order. Yep. They are going out on what will be Tuesday. (laughs) this week so uh yeah listen listen to those read those they're fantastically written and uh very much worth enjoying and of course you can find me jesse on uh jesse on cars on instagram on twitter and of course you found this youtube channel where you're listening to the podcast or potentially found it on spotify or apple podcasts in which case congratulations it makes sense to promote the youtube channel now because it does yeah because people might not be listening to this on there um other places you can also find me include classic car weekly where i am a uh, a proper journalist over there and doing journalist things don't put air quotes around journalist of the three I of us, proper. Ah, fair enough. I'll take that. 
Um, yeah, so that's where you can find the three of us, and we'll be back uh, on Monday, Tuesday. It's uh, giving the next week. It's going to be Tuesday next week with our review of the British Grand Prix. Hi, it's Editor Jesse once more. Um, a quick aside, and thank you to those that are still listening at this point in the podcast. Uh, congratulations, you've unlocked the bonus content, which is actually a charity call. Um, You've probably heard me mention my girlfriend Georgia previously. She was out working today for the British Ukrainian Aid, a charity that focuses on supplying humanitarian and medical aid for Ukraine. They support the victims of the war in Ukraine and help those who have been wounded, stranded or displaced, as well as the Ukrainian refugees who have fled the war and are now scattered across the world. Uh, with the support of Mercedes Formula One, Lando Norris's team and Freddie Hunt, yes, son of uh, James Hunt, they have just run the Support Ukraine Cart Grand Prix at Rye House. Uh, funnily enough, where Lewis Hamilton started his karting journey. Uh, today alone, they raised over £12,000, but uh, the cause is not over and every penny counts. So if you feel like uh, donating, the link will be in the bio on YouTube or the description on uh, Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever else. So uh, please feel free to donate and support Ukraine, and it'll also stop my girlfriend running off with Freddie Hunt because he's, he's pretty dishy, let's be fair.